everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. My name is Carrie. I'm Jack. I'm Dean. And Dean, we're going to do a part two mm-hmm. of what you listened to last week. Which is Test for Carrie. Flight 170. No, oh, almost flight, flight 370. 370. Malaysian flight 370. The disappearance of Malaysian flight 370 back on March 8th, 2014. So, quick recap. Previously, I, pro- I probably um, should have looked that up. Before. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, March 8th, 2014, flight 370 left Malaysia for Beijing. It was handed off to the Vietnamese air traffic controls. It headed north and over the South China Sea. Right then, or just after the pilots. Signed off to Malaysian air control for the last time, and that was the last anyone ever heard from Flight 370 again. So immediately people think it had it blown up. Was it hijacked? Did something happen to the pilots? Searched for a few days, naturally in the South China Sea, but didn't find anything there. Then Malaysian authorities admitted that, you know what, we actually did have some more information. The plane had weirdly taken a quick U-turn and flown back over Malaysia and then ran a path between Malaysia and Indonesia out into the Indian Ocean when it was pinged for the last time and its communications also were disabled during this strange journey. Suspicious. Only it was technically not quite true that Flight 370 was never heard from again because it turned out that these automated, quote, handshakes between the plane and a tracking satellite showed that actually Flight 370 had taken a left turn from the sort of the northeast Indian Ocean down south into the heart of the massive Indian Ocean and had stayed aloft for almost seven hours at normal speed before finally going down and losing all communication, even these these hands, these pings, these satellite pings. So what happened? Good Here in question. part two, we're first going to look into the investigation. Okay. Then we're going to find out a little more about the first signs of the disappeared plane that washed ashore Ooh. half an ocean away. Half and an ocean. then we're going to take a stab at what might have actually happened to the plane and its 239 passengers and crew. Damn. So that's our recap. Okie dokes. Ready? Yeah. I am. So first, let's start with that investigation. Though emergency and like search personnel scrambled desperately to find out what happened to Flight 370 in Malaysia, these efforts were hamstrung from the get-go by Malaysian politics. The Malaysian well, and where were they searching, too? Well, even, even yes, very much so. And, and what they were searching for. Well, what do you mean? Well, they were really searching in the wrong place. Yes. Right? Yeah. The, the initial search was in the China Sea, right? Yes, South that's true. China but even sea. after that, even after Malaysian authorities informed the world that they actually had some radar readings of the flight and they knew it went out in, toward the Andaman Sea in the Indian Ocean, even, yeah. the, even the investigation of what happened, when they knew, you know, they didn't find it for days, weeks, it's obviously a, a recovery mission, yeah. or a rescue right. mission. Right. So the Malaysian authorities throughout their investigation were dishonest, not just about what, you know, the, the radar, but throughout the, the whole process. Can I ask a question? Hamstrung, yes. What are the jurisdictional issues in something like this? Like, like who, if Malaysia just decided, oh, well, too bad, we lost a plane, to do nothing about it. Uh-huh. They, no one could force them to. In this case, Australia took over the search, though. Uh, on its own dime. Uh, so that's my question. Anybody 
can start looking into it? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's no, no, there are China, United States, several countries, European countries, and, and US, Canada, and Australia all invested. I don't think Canada did actually, but was investigating to some degree the case because they had nationals on board that plane. And yeah. were all those countries cooperating? Well, oh. you would love for that to happen, and that should happen, and normally. That does happen in this case, not so much. Really? That, that's the whole point. The Malaysian authorities here were, they were afraid. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but um, they were, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it was a corrupt semi-dictatorship. It wasn't a, a Western or, or, or Japanese or North American democracy, and they had a lot more worries than finding the truth when they were doing their investigations. Yeah. So. Like what, like just like. Reputational, very or? much so, okay. and not getting killed by the dictator because you made the country look oh, bad. Oh, you mean investigators? Okay. Yes, mm. yeah. yeah. So they, I mean, they wanted it to go away. So early on, though, the last communication had been over the South China Sea. So naturally, that was where the search initially took place and was focused. And they did actually find an oil slick on March 9th, the day after the plane disappeared. But they tested that oil slick and they found that it was from a ship, not uh, a plane. Yeah, yeah. So I know there's gonna be lots of oil slicks yeah. there. There were even some more kind of false alarms the next couple of days. Chinese satellites picked up some debris in the South China Sea and they released those pictures on March 12th. But again, investigators looked at that debris and they like the oil slick. They said that's not even from a plane. It's yeah. from yeah. a ship again. And the plane wasn't. There. It wasn't there, but we didn't know but that. They didn't know they that. Didn't oh, know. This true. time they that's didn't know true. that. I keep forgetting. So they're, they're searching for days before, early for a few days before the Malaysians admit that they know it's not of this. Okay, that was going to be my question. How long did it take the Malaysians to? On March 12th. Cough it up. So it's about three days. March 12th, the Malaysians authorities admitted that, okay, we know we had radar readings. We know that the, the plane took this U turn very shortly after it was handed off to Vietnamese air control and it had flown back over the Malay Peninsula and then it headed west into the Indian Ocean. The next day, so the search was expanded into kind of the Andaman Sea, that part of the upper, the northern part of the Indian Ocean. But it was not until March 15th that the first of the, that key satellite signal evidence we talked about last time was made public. And then it became clear to people, okay, he had taken that another left and gone south into the Indian Ocean. And so it's probably not up there by India in the Andaman Sea. It's yeah. somewhere down further yeah. south. And then eventually they would figure out that it was somewhere off the western coast of Australia, but quite a, you know, 1,200 miles yeah. more. It's yeah. in the middle of the ocean, yeah, It really is. And this is a, we'll, find, we'll talk about this in a second, but this is, you know, not a well-trodden part of the world at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So while the secrecy, as you were just asking, it was partly to protect intelligence capabilities. The Malaysian Air Force didn't want to say what they knew and how they knew it, because it's sort of your... It's your methods and sources, as they say in the intelligence parlance, that you want to protect that. So, you know, it's like, remember it was a while ago when Trump was still president, yes. where he, he yes. showed some satellite photographs to prove, to, in his mind, think he was right or something like that. It turns out that was a really dumb blunder because it told everyone in the world about our capabilities and that we right. had much sharper and better and clearer satellite images capability than people had thought at the time. Yeah. So that's kind of what the Malaysian Air Force was doing. But really is also because Malaysia was this just a hopelessly corrupt country, a very a mean-spirited dictator who had disappeared some folks who crossed him. And then so they're worried about their jobs but and, and their safety even. Yeah. And so really throughout the process, the Malaysian investigation part of it was more about damage control than it was discovering the truth. Mm -hmm. 
that's just the sad fact. But the satellite evidence and the Malaysian admissions finally did send searchers to the right place, the Indian Ocean, the southern Indian Ocean. So the search area, though, was just, you can't stress it enough, it's this huge arcing swath of sea. By April 2014 to 2014, the surface search was abandoned. They, yeah. didn't, they couldn't find anything there on, on the surface, so they said, we're going to have to go under the water and look yeah. for it there, look for debris in, oh in, the, in the water. So Sunken air plane. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. basically looking for a little orange plastic box in this you know, massive, yeah. in the ocean. massive part of the ocean that they're pretty sure is somewhere in this huge arc. It's, it was a near impossibility from the beginning. And since the Malaysians now, at this point, they had no capabilities of deep water searching. This is when Australia basically took over the yeah. physical investigation at great cost. And how many nationals did they uh, even It was have like two on, or four. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I think it, it was wasn't that four. many. It wasn't that many, Most but Chinese. we think it's fairly close to us. We have the capability. We'll do it. So they yeah. handled it. The I like it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a, they didn't have to at all. Yeah. The likely site was about 1,200 miles southwest of Perth in an unexplored area of the Indian Ocean. They set about initially, they had to map that seafloor. It was Jeez. never, had never been mapped before. Yeah. Ain't that fun? Were was, you at NOAA? Yeah. I was thinking that might partially be there a reason too. To, Maybe. I mean, it seems to me they like to explore oceans and stuff in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's <laughs> president of Australians. They just seem they, like an explorer. They like the ocean. Yeah. They love the ocean. They like they, to explore. You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking of the Polynesians too, actually. They all like, do. More so. Over yeah, down there in that place. Yeah. 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 Um, but I'm assuming they don't have the resources <laughs> that Australia does. <laughs> no, I was just, never mind. <laughs> the, the, so they, they started to map the seafloor. They used uh, side scanning sonar. And they actually found out that that part of the ocean, the bottom, turned out to be this deep, dark series of underwater ridges and valleys just and it's it's the abyss it goes in like thirteen thousand feet it's just it's the abyss down there and again since the location was an estimate of this large arc of possible land it was just it was hopeless so there there was however some intriguing satellite images of possible debris in the search area early on some satellites did pick up some stuff on, uh, at the surface that said that could be plain debris from a crash. But every time the surface searches would go out roughly to where that was, they wouldn't find anything. Yeah. It either sank or it floated way away. Or it's not like it's, you know, you can beep, beep, beep and pinpoint from the satellite image exactly what part of the ocean that was. Yeah. And the beep, 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 beep is a well-known sound for <laughs> a satellite, satellite imaging. Sure. sure. There were also, by the way, some possible pings from the black box. The misnamed Ooh. black oh. box, but <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, they're actually orange. They're bright orange. Hey, I have a question. Yes. Why? <laughs> can, can black box pings go through water? I mean, yes. If, if it is submerged, Isn't it, it like would radio still work. Yes. Waves or something like that. Yeah, and it has a battery that's supposed to last days. I can't remember how long. Days. Or typically, or, I don't think I it's super it was long. A, Maybe is it weeks? I mean, I weeks. thought it was like not, well, I'm not months, sure. but <laughs> not days. I no, say it's weeks. not years. Not years. No, it's not. Especially under in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Probably has a shorter lifespan. These may have been pings from the black box, but it Ooh. doesn't matter. It's this frigid black abyss, thousands of people below. They never found it. Yeah. Huh, where was Elon Musk and his yeah. submarine back then? Fuck, yeah, no, he doesn't. He does things that he thinks he can actually not fuck up. So, or actually, I think he does things that he knows he'd fuck up if people called his bluff, and he actually had to go do them. Yeah. He wants. Uh, he did Australia. He wanted to like power. I can power Australia in thirty days. Um, Okay. No one's going to let you do that, and you know that, so it's yeah. easy to say. I could, I could do that too, Elon. I'll bet Give they would have let him uh, fix all the old 
lead pipes in Flint. He didn't do that. Yeah. He's backing Elon Musk a lot in this show, I've just noticed. (laughs) I'm okay with it. This could be of a sub... Weird world. Colton, fuck Elon Musk. (laughs) He's just such an unlikable douchebag. He is. So... All this effort, though, was to no avail. In January 2017, the search was suspended. Three years, hundred, almost three years, $160 million. Wow. The Australians finally packed it in, and they still had no idea exactly where Flight 370 had gone down in the water, let wow. alone any trace of wreckage or the flight recorder. There was nothing yet. Hmm. By the way, at the time, it was the most expensive aviation search in history. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It may I still mean, be, actually. $160 yeah, million? So. Dollars? Yeah. That's a huge amount of money, yeah. That's a huge amount of money. Well. Most of it was for the underwater expeditions. That was yeah. very expensive. In 2018, a private American company called Ocean Infinity took Ooh. over the search efforts, kind of. It was a, quote, no fine, no fee arrangement with the Malaysian government. So they, they kind of, and hmm. basically what they mostly did was just sort of track over the same trodden ground that the Australians had, and they came up with nothing as well. Hmm. So, huh. n- one of the most fascinating aspects of this story, I think anyway, is how searchers and investigators attempted to pinpoint the most likely location of the endpoint for flight MH370. And for what I'm, but this section I'm gonna tell you about, I, we owe special credit to an article by William Langweish in the Atlantic magazine issue of July 2019. Uh, the stuff about Blaine Gibson that I'm going to talk about here is from that article. What magazine? Uh, the Atlantic. Atlantic. Oh, The Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that part. I just heard the magazine article from the- July of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but which one? Blaine Gibson was this kind of curious guy. He used a small family inheritance and this insatiable thirst for travel to kind of globetrot around the world. His mom had been taken into places that she traveled since she was seven years old. So he had it kind of in his blood, right? As an adult then, he loved to try to uncover some of the world's great mysteries. So Gibson had gone to Guatemala to look for the whole end of the Mayan empire thing, what happened to the Mayans kind of a deal. <laughs> okay. Not the 2012 thing, I don't think, just like what happened to him. It was, oh, yeah, okay. it was a mystery. It is a mystery. Yeah. To, he'd gone to Ethiopia to search for the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> ah, <laughs> well, they, they, Ethiopia says we sense. have it. And we, say, and we know what building it is in, they just won't show anyone. So he they saw do the, have some of the oldest Christians. They are they very much so, but he they saw don't the have Indiana the Jones <laughs> movies yes. and decided. Yes, Hi. yes. Oh, we'll hold on. He had gone to that face. He had <laughs> gone to Siberia to explain the Tunguska Fireball of 1908. Hey, past episode, bitch. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. That was me. <laughs> Maybe a bit pompously, he wore an Indiana Jones fedora. No. <laughs> and he had a business card that, that read, quote, adventurer, explorer, truth seeker. Oh if he gets God. a whip, I'm out of here. <laughs> so he was, it sounds like he's a little full of himself, sure, but he, was doing, he did some good work here. Did he solve any of the world's mysteries? In this case, he, he, you know, he got a little closer in this case. Oh. So he's living his best life. And this best life for Gibson allows him to follow the Malaysian fi- Flight 370 story. He starts following it very quickly. He's, he was fascinated by it. And he thinks to himself, you know, let's look for the debris. Won't that, if we find some de- debris finally floating onto some shore, that could tell us something, right? Yeah. And he's living in Laos at the time. He's running a, a restaurant on the Mekong River. Wow. Hey, he's an adventurer, dude. So, I mean, he has the car oh. to prove it. He started following and the this. the fedora. F- yeah. Uh-huh. He, 
he started following his Facebook page about the missing plane. Remember, this is a huge thing. There are there are groups, yeah. and there oh, are groups yes. of really qualified scientists looking at this. Aviation scientists and others looking at this from the very beginning and making. And they're actually very respected from by by the experts officially on the investigation. Well, some of them were. And he again, he began to wonder from his following this Facebook page, what would happen? You know, should we? Shouldn't there be some debris washing up somewhere? And, and what could we tell? And so, he then went in March 2015. He went to the the first anniversary of the crash in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, and he met some of the the families of the survivors. They gathered together to meet and have a memorial, mm-hmm. right, in Malaysia. Even though again, most of them were Chinese. So he just he, he came away from this just determined to help. He decided the role that he could fill to help would be trying to find that debris washed up on beaches and from that evidence figure out more precisely where the plane had gone down. So he became kind of this vagabond beachcomber, but one with a very, very specific target. Hmm. Soon, word came from Reunion. The island? The island, Yes. Reunion is an island controlled by France in the Indian Ocean. It's about 340 miles, um, 550 kilometers. 550 right? kilometers <laughs> east of Madagascar. It's basically a thousand square mile active volcano. That's it. If you look on a map, it's basically that uh, it's a big ass volcano cone, and it has these beautiful white sand beaches though around it. Though, so and that's it's it? a tourist destination, oh. pretty much. I mean, it's very mountainous. It's very much. Beaches, and then you start going up into <laughs> the middle. There's a crater or you know a volcano cone. It's an active volcano. It hmm. ac- occasionally belches smoke. On July 29th, 2015, a jagged piece of metal had washed ashore on one of those beautiful east-facing beaches of Reunion. Our Jack, how would you pronounce it? Your turn. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know. Beach. Just see, you pronounce it like you're not actually having different syllables. Oh, you know. It, and that's, that's the part of the, the island that faces the southern Indian Ocean, out toward where the plane would have gone down. So this piece was about six feet long. Local authorities were able to determine that it was the back, it was a part of the back of the wing of a Boeing 777. It's a piece called the Flapperon. And as you know, it was a Boeing 777 was flight 370. So they checked the serial number on it. Luckily, it has serial number still on yeah. it. And... It matched. It did match. Oops. It was a part of flight MH370, the first part to have been found. Oh, do so, they stamp serial numbers all over? They must. Airplanes and... Pro- maybe for this reason, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the really reason, but yeah, they, 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 they seem to have a lot of serial numbers. So Gibson, boom, took the next flight out to a reunion. The French authorities, in the meantime, before he got there, they hadn't found anything else, but they would later... After uh, Gibson had left the island, they would later find a water bottle from China. Oh. I remember most of the passengers were Chinese, yeah. and a bottle of cleaner from Indonesia. There were some Indonesian folks on there as well. Or you know, it's it's not positive, but it's pretty likely that both of those items came from Flight 370. And by the way, reunion is very consistent with any kind of scent, you know, kind of a, um, a debris dispersion kind of modeling from currents. So it made sense that they were they were there. They should be heading west toward reunion, and and further west after that, which we'll talk about here in a second. So Gibson then he find, he gets his piece to reunion. He looks into it. He's he's even more fascinated. So he jets off to Australia because he wants to talk to some experts on Indian Ocean currents. And he wants to know where else, whether the other likely places that more debris might wash ashore. What did they say? They say, you know what? 
let's think about that. They thought about that and they said, Mozambique on Africa's southeastern coast. That's a pretty good chance. And also the island nation of Madagascar, which lies between <laughs> Reunion and the African coast. So, you know, you're heading west from where the plane went down, which is well off the, the western coast of Australia. You hit Reunion first, but it's a speck in the ocean. And then you hit the much, much larger island of Madagascar. And after that, if you cleared Madagascar, you would hit the coast of Africa, the southeastern coast, mostly, most of which is Mozambique okay. in this part. Okay. So Gibson, he thinks about this and he says, you know what? I've been to Madagascar, but I have not yet knocked Mozambique off my bucket list. <laughs> I'm going to Mozambique. So he was, you know, he wanted to be a little strategic about it too. So he gets there, he, he posts up on this beach in a small town called Vilanculos. Mozambique, by the way, was settled by Portuguese. I was going to say. So oh, yeah. okay. It was, he was there in February of 2016 and... He, well, he's there. He's just asking around, you know. That seems like his motto, his, his MO was to, okay, you see anything wash up? I'll give you money for it. And some local fishermen said, hey, there's this, actually there's a sandbank offshore from our village. And we often go out there and we find oceanic flotsam, stuff that we recover, like, like nets or buoys, you know, things like that. There's other crap out there too, but there's a lot of flotsam out there. Maybe check there. So he says, that sounds promising. He hires a local fisherman named Suleiman to take him out there in his boat to this, this reef, right? And they indeed do. On that first day, they, they pull up a two-foot triangular scrap of metal from all the, the junk, most of which is plastic trash, as we know. The innards, like the inside of this piece of the wreckage, right, is kind of a honeycombed shape, Ooh. which fits with a plane. And there's words stencil on it that are readable still that say no step in all caps. Oh. Which you've seen, have you looked out of the window of a plane before? Yeah. You see on, on the parts of the wings, you'll see the words no step sometimes. They want oh. people not to step don't, on the wings. Think, exactly, don't step on these wings. <laughs> yeah. It's very true. I don't think I've ever noticed that. I, I actually have noticed that. How funny. I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. The no step. Yeah. No step. No dancing. Yeah. So even though it said no step, he's at, Gibson's not sure that it's from a plane or not. So he takes it in and has it, che- has it checked by experts, I guess. And he finds out that the scrap is, is part of a horizontal stabilizer panel. What? And it's from a Boeing 777. Not just that. It's almost certainly from the Flight 370 Boeing 777. Remember, it's a very specific type yeah. of okay. Boeing 777. So, I mean, have there been a whole lot of Boeing exactly, 777s exactly. fallen it's, into it's the ocean where... Virtually certain yeah. this is a piece of, of the wreckage. Yeah. So Gibson turns this debris over to the Australian consul on Mozambique, and then he flies back to Kuala Lumpur for the second ever anniversary memorial of Flight 370 in March of 2016. <laughs> He's a nice person. He yes. wants to give them support. Yeah, he did. He became very connected with these folks. And they actually came to think of not kind of one of them, but almost yeah. someone who was helping them. Yeah. Well. I mean, honestly, he's yeah. made pretty good progress. More than the Malaysian government sure oh, fucking God, has. Yeah. Is yeah. he genuinely a good guy? I think he not is, yeah. Not just Despite the fedora. Uh, like a publicity <laughs> hound. Or I don't mean, know. Not, not at all. Not at all. I don't yeah. think he is. He's in this a, case. He may be a little paranoid. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about later. He actually has what? some death threats. Oh. Ooh. So, from, from oh. assholes. So. Yeah. That's weird. We'll talk about that sure. when we get to conspiracies. In June of 2016, Blaine Gibson decides 
he is going to cover the other most likely landing spot, remember, Madagascar. Right. It's land of lemurs and fosses. Okay. It's on my bucket list. I'm going to go there. <laughs> he just is recounting the movie Madagascar. That's yeah. what I'm going to at yeah. this point. Yes, I am. And apparently also hippos and lions and... Yeah. Um, a zebra. A zebra. One yes. zebra. One zebra. One of each. One of those things. Mm-hmm. Mostly lemurs and fosses. Specifically, the experts have told him that, hey, maybe you might want to check out the northeast coast of Madagascar. That's worth a look. So that's where he goes. Here, too, he finds what he's searching for. He finds almost immediately three pieces from Flight 370 on the very first day and then two more a few days later. Now, again, I don't think he's like, you know, walking the beach with a metal thing. He's, he's asking around and, and he lets it be known, I'll pay for debris that might be from an airplane. Yeah, I see. He probably should have gone to Madagascar first. He probably should have. Because Madagascar is between Reunion yeah. and, and essentially yeah. the, I don't know, the rain shadow of Madagascar would block a big, big chunk of Mozambique yeah. from stuff debris. It's going to hit Madagascar. And Madagascar is a huge uh, island, is. especially north to south, is much, lo- is much longer than it is wide. And so Madagascar is probably a better place to go than Mozambique, but he winds up hmm. in Madagascar. He wanted here. to. Yeah. yeah. And he, so he finds a lot of wreckage early on. And again, word got around that he'll pay American dollars for any piece of what might be plain debris. So he get, people come to him and, and yeah. give him, says, is this it? And he says, here's 20 bucks. I don't know. People don't start ripping the fender <laughs> off their car and going, hey, pay me. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Look at this. Um, that's a coin. So eventually he would accumulate dozens of pieces of what he believed was that ill-fated plane. I don't think all of them were, but yeah. he found a lot that were. Earlier, by the way, in December 2015, so before he, he found these pieces, a man named Leon Lotter had found some debris in southern Mozambique. Mm-hmm. That's on the African mainland, remember? He didn't know what it was, though. He didn't know what to think of it. But it was later, March 2016, when Gibson started doing his searches there in, in northern Mozambique. And Liam Lotter had read about this and goes, oh, well, this might be something, too. So he turned it into the authorities there. And it turned out to be a, another piece of a stabilizer from the wing of, of, of almost certainly Flight 370's Boeing. So, and later, by the way, more pieces were found off Tanzania and again in Madagascar. So they found quite a bit. I don't know. I never got an exact number, but they have, we have lots yeah. of pieces yeah. from Flight 370. Oh. I heard some, I was watching something, I can't remember what it was, and this guy keep on citing uh, three pieces, three pieces. That, that's three. utter nonsense. As far as dozens of pieces that were almost certainly from Flight 370. Yeah. Unless we're going to be a dick about it. So, uh. which I think he does. So ultimately, though, if you think about it, these efforts were a kind of failure because remember the intent was to say, okay, here's where they landed. Let's backtrack and figure out exactly with pretty fair precision where they, the, the plane would have gone down. So either he's giving all this data. He's turning every time he finds something, he says what it is, where he found it, when he found it and turns it back to scientists in Australia. But it turns out, there's just too much ocean and too many variables. Yeah. Like, for instance, the flap around, that may have gotten to where it was because it had a part of it uh, that could be at the surface and form something like a sail, and it could have gone faster than other debris. That's yeah. maybe why it was right. found first, but yeah. you, you just, it's just too much. So they were never able to use all this data that he collected effectively and pinpoint it at all. But they did prove that the initial analysis of the signals, remember, from the satellites had been correct on two critical things. Flight 370 had crashed into the southern Indian Ocean, like that data indicated, and it had done so at full speed because the debris was shattered. So there wasn't any any kind of a, you know, an attempted emergency landing from someone at the controls. It was clear there was no one, well, either able or willing 
to try to control the plane when it yeah. went into the water. Right. So all of these found pieces were pretty small then. It, well, the so, six foot yeah. app, there was six foot uh, flapper on. There's a two foot triangular piece. Oh, so there, there okay. were some. Others were, were much smaller than that, but there okay. were some yeah. decent sized pieces. Yes, but still. I mean, think about it. Yeah. This is an airplane. Yeah. Six and the biggest piece, yeah, the biggest piece found was six foot. Yeah. On okay. a 230 some. On the back of the, on the back of the wing too, right. by the way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now we're going to turn to what the hell happened. Yeah. First, let's start with the most realistic possibilities. Okay. Ooh. Tons of theories have been thrown out. Lightning strikes. Birds in the engine, some kind of computer glitch that caused this cascading failure of systems. Some people said ice could have done it, ash in the engine. Um, Birds, by the way, birds in the engine, like knocked out the engines or something like that. All these. any of that explain well, the weird behavior? They're tr- uh, yeah, it or, yeah, they're it, trying to explain how, what caused it to like be a non-human. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And of course, but well, there is human explanations too. There's bombs and fire and hijacking too. Sure. There's, there, there's sudden decompression. Yeah. There's all kinds of. You're, I mean, this is. Lots of things have been thrown out there in yeah. terms of what could have caused the plane to be under duress or the plane to yeah. go down. Because right? the first was, thing you have to explain is why it turned around. Correct. And 100%. went someplace else. Well, apparently some, a lot of folks don't try to. Yeah, that's Are my they, biggest If they question. do, yeah. they have tortured reasoning. Well, yeah. Because um, so there's lots of things that could cause a plane to crash. Exactly. The ding ice dong. and the birds and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't explain it. Ding dong mama. Going off course. Ding okay. dong. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the point of this part of the episode. Yes, it, it really kind of is. So <laughs> many theories naturally focus then on some kind of unnatural intervention. Mm-hmm. Like a hijacking, but first one of the one of the kind of the sexy theories was that someone had taken over the plane by remote control what? from outside <laughs> the cockpit. Now that sounds crazy, and if you think don't don't think of the person flying the plane over like the river drone. like a drone, yeah. or something like that. Not that there is a space under the floor at the galley, so oh. behind the cockpit that's accessible. You can pull it up. There's a panel, and you can get down into this space. It's called the electrical equipment bay. And there is a way, some people theorize that someone, like, say hijackers took over and, and they couldn't get into the, to the cockpit, and so they got into the electrical equipment bay and then sort of overrode pilot controls by controlling yeah. it through there. Unfortunately for movie thrillers, this for <laughs> sure did not happen. The flight path that was discerned from the satellite and other evidence showed that the person controlling the plane did a variety of actions that were just not possible to have done from that bay. Yeah. Okay. They, they don't have that level of control. Yeah, I was going to say, like, an almost 180-degree exactly. U-turn and then another turn and then just going as far as you can. That's the first thing. That initial sharp turn to the southwest, it was so abrupt and so tight, it absolutely impossible if it had been done anywhere but from the cockpit. Yeah. So, and by, by the way... That abrupt turn was also impossible to do in autopilot, which means the autopilot ah. was turned off before that occurred. Yeah. Keep that in the which, back of your mind. That's just logical, too. It is, I mean. but it's important. A variation on the remote control takeover is a more mundane kind of just hijacking. You know, they, the normal one. You get into the cockpit, you put a gun to their head kind yeah. of thing. How yeah. mundane. Well, it is. Compa- <laughs> well, compared to con- remote controlling from the b- bay, that, that's pretty, yes. that's a great, that'd yeah. make a great movie. Yeah, it would. Like, the pilot's like, what the hell's happening? I'm not in control. That'd there be are phenomenal. snakes yeah. in the electrical there could be equipment some snakes. bay. There could be some snakes. But then a concern could be like some kind of computer hacking where somebody yeah. could, yes. via, you know, remotely hack into the... Um, the mainframe. 
like or the autopilot will, programming yeah, or something yeah, like that. Like people systems. will be doing to Tesla's uh, automatic cars in the near, in the not too distant future. Well, I'm, I'm I have no doubt. Something like that. Assuming there are safeguards. Mm, are there? Carrie, there are also really good hackers out I'm there. I'm not talking about Tesla. I'm have talking about I'm talking about Boeing. So I got a okay. few phone calls to make. You do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's calling Mr. Boeing. I got, I got someone, a Boeing contact or two. You do. You do. Well, they probably know well, yeah. nothing about. <laughs> no, they don't. Security <laughs> one, detail. One, one is in quasi IT, and by the way, you don't like him. And the other no, is not in him. Oh, well, the other is in purchasing. <laughs> so good well, luck with that. He might know what he's purchasing. Okay, all right. I, I don't think he does. <laughs> it's more about getting tickets to Laker games. Anyway, this is. I'm kidding about that, but he'd never do something like that. Allegedly. 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 You know, the hijacking, the more mundane hijacking is not, it's not impossible. That could have been Honestly, what happened. Yeah. If we Occam's razor. Right? Yes. But there's just a ton of common sense problems with this story. Like, for instance, if it was hijackers, what were they doing? What was yeah. their reason? What, what was, was their goal? end here? Yeah. There was no claims of responsibility. No, why would you hijack something you're not going to do something with it or claim yeah. responsibility? They usually don't keep it a secret. They do not. It's quite the opposite. That's true. And they usually like to claim yeah. their mm-hmm. actions. And they didn't gain anything. One of the early things was that they uh, you know, stole the plane. We'll get into that in conspiracy in a minute. Well, but we know for a fact they didn't right. steal the goddamn plane because they have lots and lots of debris. Yeah. I mean, one could argue that it started out as a normal hijacking and then things went awry. Yeah, that's possible. They that's lost control and mm-hmm. crashed into the ocean. Or the pilot crashed on purpose yeah. to not that's let the... True. Well, I mean, the pilot crashed on purpose well, is when it ran out of fuel, though. Because yeah. for sure, it went yeah. pretty much the exact amount of time and speed it would have run out of fuel. So. Yeah. And so what is what is the hijacker doing there? Knocking on the door for yeah. until and, and that makes no sense. When the pilot making no effort whatsoever to contr- contact anyone. Correct. Yeah. Maybe they no miscalculated yeah. or something. Maybe. But this just the whole idea it. of the scenario itself doesn't make sense in terms of hijacking, but there's even worse yeah. reasons. There's even other reasons it was not a hijacking. Remember, this is post 9-11. Yeah. This is when a hijacker getting into a cockpit is very, 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 yeah. very difficult. And he'd have to kill or incapacitate both the pilot and co-pilot very, very, very quickly. Not only is it, is it really secure, the cockpit, but there's a live video feed right outside oh. showing exactly the door. All pilots can see. If right. they see someone tr- doing anything, they know right away. Yeah. And all it takes is mayday, mayday. Someone's trying to, so you'd have to do it instantaneously without them noticing on the video feed and right. then go into the cockpit and get them in control before they can even literally go mayday once. Yeah. So oh. it's it makes no sense. If hijackers get, did get in unnoticed even, say they did, say they got in unnoticed and they got in and they got guns to their head before the pilots could, could say anything, there's actually a lot of ways. The pilots have these, the, the, you know, at, yeah, on their fingertips as they're flying the plane, there's ways they could flick things and, and signal something's amiss and they never did. Yeah. So oh, that's interesting. Safety. The, also, by the way, the timing is difficult f- as for this theory as well. So think about it. Remember, it was about less than two minutes from when Zahari, the pilot, the, oh, the, co- the, yeah. the senior pilot, he, remember he said goodnight to Kuala Lumpur, the air traffic controller, and then less than two minutes later, they make that sharp U-turn. Yeah. This is, so I know it's trouble with how to start in those two minutes after he made that radio call and before he made the U-turn because it had to be the hijackers saying, turn this turn plane around, we're going yeah. to Cuba. Yeah. So... Cuba. That's this. That's where all hijack planes go to eventually. So, sure. This again, though, was also the perfect, perfect time for an intentional, you know, not be found and not be detected kind of thing. Because remember, this is the handoff to from Malaysia to Vietnam, right. and yeah. it actually did work out perfectly. Yeah. That they didn't realize the plane was missing for some time, 
now, so it strains credulity to think the hijackers would have been known this and timed it perfectly. Right. It's just, it's not likely. Oh, I have a theory. Yeah. Oh. Uh, maybe the hijackers had already gotten in before mm-hmm. that. Oh, okay. I like that. I was thinking. And we're forcing, you know, we're to the head. making sure mm-hmm. they didn't because mm-hmm. flight attendants. What about them? One of the flight attendants was actually a hijacker. In Inside job it. care. That's how they were able to get in. And the pilots wouldn't contact anybody mm. because this is a flight attendant, right? They come in, they bring us a Coke or coffee. And yeah, yeah. go on. That's why he said something odd. That's he said why the good night. He said the good night, we're leaving you. Because mm. they don't do that, right? I love it. I yeah. love and it. Malaysia didn't catch didn't on to pick his up signal. on his signal. It was the I it was the I verbal version it. of blinking twice that's, in Morse code or something. Yeah. Honestly, that's kind of what I thought too. I was like, when you said good night. Earlier, I was like, mm, that's fishy. There's something there. <laughs> did they investigate it. all the flight attendants? They did, oh, actually. Okay. They investigated everybody on the plane. And the pilots. Pilots, sure. yeah. passengers, flight attendants. They, and the Malaysian government, at least, found absolutely nothing huh. wrong with well, the Well, you whatsoever. don't trust them. Well, I know, but... <laughs> at the time. Are they better now? Uh, no. <laughs> never mind. We'll, move bit, on, maybe. move on. <laughs> they, that, that, the president of the time is no longer their, their leader. But oh, Okay. Not so, saying but they so. found no red flags whatsoever in any crew or passengers at all. Well, uh, almost none on the passengers. It ooh. turns out that two of the passengers were flying under false passports. Oh, that's sus. It's very suspicious. And, then, and you know what, what else was suspicious to people at the time? Those two people flying under pa- <gasps> false passports Where were, were from? from? America. Oh. Australia. <laughs> Why? Why is that <laughs> suspicious? China. What's what a, what's a country that would be very suspicious? Suspicious. Oh, to Indonesia. Some, no, Iran. Iran. Oh, you know, I, I see what you mean. State sponsor of terrorism, of, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, because of racism. Yes, a little bit. Not so, a little bit. <laughs> well, they were from Iran, and they had like I forget. It was like one was like a Dutch passport, and one was <laughs> something else European. Yeah. So that was Could that. That got some people freaked out at the time with thinking, okay, these guys took over the plane somehow. But further investigation showed that they were actually asylum seekers. Yeah, and I was going to trying say. to get to Germany to seek asylum. I was going to say China probably wasn't their best bet. The plane was going to China. Yeah, the plane was going to China, and then why not? For to asylum? S- to seek asylum. Oh, no, they weren't. Yeah, yeah. No, they're just going to, <laughs> they're, <I'm sorry. laughs> they're going to China to then travel from yeah. there. And, just, and so basically every investigating group, not just Malaysia, but the U.S. too, and looked into their background and yeah. found that no, they, no one thinks they're terrorists. I like yeah. my theory, though. That's a good one. It's a solid I, theory, Kara. It's a solid theory. Mm-hmm. I, got, I, I agree. I got to agree. <laughs> a more popular theory, though, is some kind of more natural crew incapacitation. Huh. So like... Natural. Oh, I see Like hypoxia. Lack of oxygen, somehow... Of the pilots? Of the pilots. The pilots were incapacitated somehow in a natural way, the most mm-hmm. obvious one being hypoxia. Yeah. They, they ran out of oxygen somehow. For some reason, they weren't getting oxygen. This theory, by the way, is favored by some of the officials on the Malaysian investigative team. Just this idea that something happened to the flight crew and the plane essentially was left on autopilot until it finally spiraled into the Indian Ocean. But again, it would have kept going to China. Just, just, just bear with me for a second, please. Did they put it? I mean, wouldn't they have had to put it on autopilot, uh, on autopilot after that big U-turn? Because uh, you said that was impossible to do. They had on to put it autopilot. back on autopilot. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. And then, no, I'd, let's just say this: this has happened before. On August fourteenth, two thousand five, flight five two two of Helios Airline took off from the island of Cyprus, heading Ooh. for Prague in the Czech Republic. A low-pressure alarm sounded about five minutes into the flight. So when this happened, air masks came down for all the passengers, Ooh. right? Ugh, nightmare. Yeah. The two pilots, though, 
did not notice the alarm for some reason, and their masks do not come down automatically. Really? Well, they have to physically, manually go get they it? Have, they have oxygen. They have actually a much yeah. more secure, independent supply of oxygen that's not reliant on the plane that lasts a lot longer than the crew does for obvious reasons. But they yeah. didn't hear the alarm, so they didn't put on their masks. Oh, huh. my Lord. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder why. So it turned out it was, a, it was a leak. They had repaired like the window or the cockpit door or something like that um. wrong. And so air was escaping, and they didn't realize it. It was slow enough to where they didn't realize it. They didn't get, they didn't hear the alarm for some reason. They didn't put on any masks and they started having hypoxia, which can make you loopy and almost yeah. like you're shit faced drunk. And so they started talking to the air traffic control because they knew something was wrong. Yeah. But what they were saying was incomprehensible. It's like they couldn't be understood. <gasps> oh, Let's no. go ahead and so, is it, is it, is it, a very Darison, like, what are those persons saying? A heavy bertation, a, yes. a, a uh. heavy bertation. So, uh, air traffic control sent up two F 16 fighters thinking they've been hijacked, yeah, yeah, possibly. So, the, the fighters get there and it's on autopilot, it sort of kicked into autopilot, right? When they were not on the controls, oh. uh. Which can happen, yeah. And so, like a safeguard, yeah, it is a safeguard. And so the the F sixteen pilots catch up with it, and, and you know, uh, fly next to it, and they look in the cockpit, and they oh, see shit. one of the pilots is passed out on the floor, <gasps> and the co-pilot is slumped on the dashboard. It's not, I don't know, it's called a dashboard. <laughs> Clearly, both unconscious. Oh, no. So they realize something's happened to them both. There's not a damn thing they can do about it. So <gasps> I guess uh, a flight attendant realizing, you know, what's happening. Desperately tries to break into the, to the cockpit. Oh. She does. Work, I guess bitch. Well, passengers, people are able to break into the cockpit door. But then when she gets inside, she tries to contact air traffic control, like how do I fly a plane, yeah. kind of thing. Because they'll too, walk you through it. They will walk you through it, but it's too late. It's smashed oh. into a mountain. Oh Ooh. my god! And That's everyone, terrifying. All 120 people on board died. <gasps> Rest <sighs> in peace, you guys. So this kind of thing has happened. This hypoxia <sighs> kind of a, a scenario, but. <laughs> It doesn't fit the facts you of flight. You just ruined mom's day. I'm sorry. Why? <laughs> she Look how sad she is uh, she now. She sad. I'm sorry. This is when you want planes to be able to be flown via remote control. Not via remote control, but maybe well, like avoid that mountain. Seriously. But autopilot is, it does amazing <laughs> things. Can't, you know, it senses there's a mountain ahead. Yeah. I won't fly into that mountain. I'll go up. No, yeah. yeah. I guess they don't want to yeah. do that because if it's not a, you know, well, there's air traffic around it and you don't want to fly into a plane because yeah. you're avoiding a mountain, but computers can do that too. One day it'll be yeah. all computerized. I agree. Or it'll yeah. be done by person on the ground, not in the plane. <laughs> yeah. So, for instance, the terrible, terrible damage shown by the debris could indicate that there was no one in control before impact, which of would fit this hypoxia theory, right? 370? Yeah, in yeah. Flight 370, right? So back to Flight 370, the damage done shown by the debris does kind of fit this idea that no one was at the controls. But what's what's the biggest problem with this one? With this idea that it auto it had to have been put on autopilot after it turned around. Yes, and the whole flight path, flight yeah. path. Yeah, that it, it did multiple unexplained Turns. alterations to its yeah what it, what it, flight path. This you can't. This, that's lethal to that theory yeah. clearly because because that U turn was an abnormal act. So whatever was happening happened shortly before that U-turn. If, if it just then yeah. went in that direction forever, okay, but it didn't. Right. It made multiple turns again. Yeah. Well, so uh, we'll touch more on this later, by the way, this theory in, in a yeah, minute. Yeah, because I can think of an explanation. Well, I, I have much more holes for that. 
it seems clear that the that something nefarious though was going on was underway before it made that last turn south into the Indian Ocean. It had I made agree. multiple turns before that and did so in, in some very strange ways. Because so, good night. Obviously, yeah. So it was something done by conscious human hands. They're not, they're not incapacitated. Both right. pilots aren't out of oxygen. Yeah. So other people say, what about something in the cargo? Could the cargo have ca- caused? Like uh, a bomb? Either a bomb or in this case, they people pointed specifically to lithium-ion batteries. Oh, oh. Yeah. Those are those things that power cell phones, walkie-talkies, yes. things like that. Many things. The plane did have 487 pounds, 221 kilograms. <laughs> of That's a lot. It's a, a lot. It was in two large pallets, but they're, they're separated into two pallets to the aft and the fore of the plane. But still, those things can be really dangerous. They can heat up to crazy hot heat. Hot heat? Sure. Yeah. I'll go with that. Hot, hot yeah. heat. And they have done, they have actually caused fires caused on cargo fires. planes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when that damn Samsung phone started exploding, those yeah. were lithium ion batteries. Yes. Yeah. And that would um, entail uh, somebody getting on the radio yes, and it would. Yeah, that's true. Yes, it calling would. somebody for her. Yeah. It, it, the, same, the same problems with the hypoxia thing apply to that in my yeah. mind. So it's, it, it just doesn't jibe with there being a sudden fire yeah. and explosion. Yeah. Somebody would know. And also, here's a, a question I've always kind of had. How come none of the passengers videoed anything? You know, I have our, our, our or cell phone. Or said anything. Because, like, this Texted. was in the time yeah. where we definitely had that capability. Yeah, My guess, well, well actually, we'll talk about that later, actually. That's true. But we'll talk mean, about, still, in the event of a major catastrophe, that's probably what I would do. But, but they I don't prob- know. There's explanations. There's a really they good reason for that. They may not have known initially. They did. They yes. do you think passengers when they would made know the U-turn? we turned around? Oh yeah, no, not then. No, but yeah. no. There's like what we, what's happening at worst case, you know, scenario. Yeah, they think how are we going back? What's happening? Yeah. If you're even awake. Yeah. So you know um, eventually though. Yeah. But there actually is a really good reason why. Oh, I'm excited. Nothing came from the passengers. So Ooh. there's not just these explanations grounded in some kind of a fact, like we've just talked about. There's for every plausible possibility, there are probably ten conspiracy theories. So I'll talk about it for a minute. First of all, there's some sightings. There are tons of sightings of supposed Flight 370. Of course there are. So like, like there's a very low flying pl- plane seen by some men fishing off the coast of Kotabaru. An oil rig worker in the ocean almost 300 kilometers southeast of Vung Tau saw a, quote, burning object. And some people on a beach on an island in the Maldives called Kuda Huvadu, great name, <laughs> by the way, saw something they thought also was Flight 370. That last item, at least, it's, I don't know, semi-interesting because it was in the Indian Ocean, but it was way, way, way far from where the almost certain flight path was, so it's almost certainly bullshit. The other two, Kotabaru is on Malaysia, and Vung Tau is off Vietnam. Uh, so oh. those, you know, they're... Nonsense. Yeah, that, we know that the plane was sense. nowhere near those places when it went down, or when it was, if, if even when it was in trouble, if it was in trouble. And uh, by the way, many of these sightings were never reported contemporaneously; they were reported weeks or months later. Of course, yeah. And I mean, I as we know from past episodes, eyewitness reports even made in real time are are suspect, but eyewitness reports declared months or weeks after are worse than useless. Yeah, and then especially when there's evidence, physical evidence yeah. that they're kind of impossible. Yeah. Sorry, just, y'all. But theories of these kind get even weirder. One, tarot reading English psychic. Oh. <laughs> she wow. actually was out sailing along the southern Asian coast when this happened. 
with her husband, and she claimed that when they're out there in the ocean, they're, they saw what they thought was a cruise missile, and it was coming at them. They were in the Andaman Sea, right? Okay. So as it drew near, though, she realized, wait, that's not a cruise missile. It's an airplane, but it has this odd glow around it, like an aura. Oh, not it's an orange, an orange aura, <laughs> like f- flames. No, like a mystical kind okay. of aura, kind of okay. a thing. And it's trailing smoke, so something's wrong. So, for some reason, she that told her, this witness that the plane was on a suicide mission and it was directed at Chinese ships, which were on uh, to the west of her in the Andaman Ocean, conducting maneuvers at the time. Why? So she did she immediately get on the horn and call some authority? No, she did not. She, she waited she, months. A few days later, she got into oh, port, yes. and she says, that's the only time I found out about this whole flight MH370 thing. It wasn't until then I even knew about it. I swear to God. So you saw something potentially horrible happening. Yeah. You don't take no, one no. step to try to prevent no. loss of life or... Okay. No, but you do tell a newspaper later uh-huh. on about it. And by the way, you do blog about it under the name... Saucy sailoress. <gasps> so I will give her that quality. One. Yeah, no, she's good at that. That's uh, so. That's all we have name. is her name and her blog name. I'm sorry. All, all we have is her word that any of this ever happened, right. and of course her blog name of Saucy Sailoress, which adds instant credibility. Well, oh, she was absolutely. With her husband, right? Yes. You can't lie on him a blog. too. Does he but is he a psychic? Does he read tarot? Did he see the aura? I doubt it. Well, he hasn't opened his third eye yet. May, yeah, he's got to do that. That's why but they were sailing. He'd see the plane. Even he would. If he couldn't he see would. the aura. Yeah. So yeah, he right, didn't know right. its intention. Yeah, he didn't know. He couldn't read intent from the act of it coming toward <laughs> mm-hmm. you. So there are more. Some guy in New York named Jeff Wise. This got a lot of play too at the time. He's, he was started writing about how the data were faked. The satellite pings, that stuff, those were all fake, big part of conspiracy. And that actually the plane did not turn south into the Indian Ocean. It turned north and went to Kazakhstan. What? Oh, okay. Some kind of Russian plot. He can't be that specific. It's <laughs> a very, it's a little vague scenario, but he, that was his kind of. And it, it got, it got a shocking amount of play and attention at the time. So, so Putin did it. Putin, yes. Did, did he have any evidence for thinking? Oh, it? he doesn't need evidence. He says that I, I, he, I think he did like do some quasi, you know. It sounds like he technically knows what he's talking about, kind of thing with the uh, satellite pings, but he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. So there's a French journalist named Florence DeChangi, who was actually a fairly respectable f- journalist at the time. She had written for the Le Monde and other you know, reputable media sources. She wrote a book that was published in 2016 about the flight and her investigation of uh, Flight 370. She argued that it didn't go down the Indian Ocean. It really did crash into the South China Sea where people were originally thought it did. She says that, look, hey, there were no radar pings from anywhere along the Indian Ocean of this plane. That's crazy. And also, guess what? There really were military maneuvers by the Chinese in the Andaman Sea at the time. And so there, basically, it's like, I mean, that's kind of her, her... biggest part of her argument that and, and suppose that eyewitnesses I'll talk about in a minute but the answer to the first question is no shit this yeah. is one of the most isolated parts of the world so yeah there weren't a lot of radar pings in yeah. there I mean yeah. the radar isn't that expansive and um, and in terms of the uh, maneuvers so what so wait there's yeah. never been a jet passengers have never flown near military maneuvers happens every day so yeah. she's just you know, not that's not a real strong part. So she she also she just sort of wishes away things like the satellite data, the debris. She says essentially her argument is the official version, right, was all a quote decoy, 
And the meaning of this was to distract, distract from what you ask. It turns out that actually, actually the United States shot down Flight 370 because it was carrying secret cargo to China and they could not allow that to happen. Oh. And you know, they found this out after the plane took off within, what, an hour of yeah. it making its U-turn is when they, they, the Americans found this out, sent fighters up there to communicate with him and say, you better turn the plane around. If you won't, we'll kill you. and We'll shoot you down. And so they shot him down and it landed in the South China Sea. Everything else after that is fiction. It's part of this cover story. And that's uh, the cover story you'd concoct, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this tortuous, it took months and months and months to come out. Uh, you know, uh, t- tons of independent people investigating it to come to the conclusion of, of, of the actual official story. That's, that's what you, you manipulated all of those people. But also, they said it was in the South China Sea at first. They did indeed. <laughs> so why would you concoct that? I know. Well, yeah, it, 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 sense is not her strong suit. So, Girl, so they had, you had fake satellite data. You had to plant dozens or hundreds of pieces of debris yeah. And, yeah. Ha- and plant them on shores that, by the way, people were not even looking for them <laughs> until they started being found. Um, and, and by the way, the hundreds or at least dozens, if not hundreds of people that would have to be part of the conspiracy, not one, even anonymously, has ever come forward and talked about it. So, that part. I'd write a tell-all immediately. Yeah. Her story <laughs> is, is a tour de farce. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You gotta go. You have to leave. Did you put that in your Amazon review? I, I did not review her book. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's implausibility and this, this unconvincing inventions that she makes up. It's an embarrassing way to sell books, but that's yeah. what she was doing, and she did. She, By the way, she does cite all those eyewitnesses eyewitness testimonies and those seeing yeah. those whatever, you know, low flying planes or, or burning planes or something like that. But think about it. That it would have this would have happened in one spot, right? If if you did see the plane going down, it would have happened in one spot. Yeah. Those sightings have been all over the, that part of the globe. Yeah. So all of them have to be mistakes except for at most one area. Those yeah. from one area. So the obvious conclusion is that no, they're all yeah. mistakes yeah. Or, or more likely fakes. But also, what do we do? Shoot the plane down, then scoop it up real quick so yes. nobody could find right. it? Right. I mean... That's true, yes. Would, that would not be easy You'd at have all. to. No. And, yeah. and none of that debris ever washed exactly. up on the shores of Thailand and Vietnam or wherever. In a foreign country? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we scooped it up and we moved all of it. it. So Every, it would yes. land in Madagascar. D- dropped it in southern Africa. Indian Ocean. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So, I mean, her evidence, citing the, the especially the eyewitness evidence, citing that is kind of like saying... You know, we think Elvis Press is alive because even though we have his body right, right here, the, you know, these people have seen him in a diner with a fake mustache. In the Cayman yeah. Islands. Yeah. yeah. So with it's, Tupac and it's Michael Jackson. pretty embarrassing. By the way, and the debris, which is such a damaging item, is damaging evidence to the conspiracy theorist. Those conspiracy theorists hate that. So many have attacked Blaine Gibson for finding uh, that debris. Yeah. And, and that's where he's gotten death threats from. They've called him a fraud. He's just hurting the families because, you know, oh my God. they care about those families yeah. in making death threats on Blaine Gibson. But how does finding debris hurt the families? Because yeah, he's I, complicit he's, in the cover-up. Yeah, it's part of the official story, man. Oh. You're just covering up for okay. the man. That kind of bullshit. Gotcha. These are horrible people. So... There's others. One Australian amateur, he claimed that he was scanning Google Earth images one night. <laughs> That's fun, though. Alone in his basement, I assume. People have solved murders like that. Uh, he, well, he thinks he spotted the plane, oh. but yeah. he won't tell us where it is. He what? wants to, he's trying to raise money 
to do an expedition to go out there and find it. So no. until he gets that money, he's not going to tell us what he found. Bullshit. What, what's his GoFundMe I have no idea. goal? I have $2 no idea. billion. Dollars? I mean, <laughs> Jesus That's Christ. some bullshit. If you really cared uh, about finding the plane, you would say it immediately so anybody with the already mm-hmm. resources could yes. go and get it, you stupid bitch. Uh, the plane has also been found okay. in the found in quotes in the rainforest of Cambodia, in yeah. a river in Indonesia, and some people think they it's was lost in a black hole, and some people think <laughs> it was yeah. lost in a time warp. Time, I was gonna say time slip. That's my favorite time one. Slip, time warp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I like the time warp. Wormholes, baby. I mean, or or um, big sinkhole and big sinkhole in, sinkhole. The sky? in, in the ocean or the sky. Well, you never know. <laughs> I don't know. You're just going to go be, through one? Okay. Maybe a big I like, I like Carrie's optimism. You know what? I don't have to explain that. Sinkholes on land as well. I know, but maybe it could suck everything down in there. You know? Mm. You Black know what? In the sinkhole. There have been people theorize about the Bermuda Triangle that what? it is some kind of a force that pulls plants yeah. down into the water. There you like go. Like Charybdis. Don't know what that means. Oh, you mean from that the can Greek, pull planes down? That's just may, a whirlpool. But there were no planes back then to know. Oh, okay, but there are now. <laughs> People have flown over it. Tourists they fly over it, and those planes have gone down. Oh, okay, <laughs> I think there's I think there's video of it. No. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Show it to me. I don't know. <laughs> also, aliens have been alleged to have captured the ship. Obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. but first they made it. Do it, take a little detour. Yes, they, uh-huh. did. they did. They wanted to take a tour of the yeah. Indian Ocean. Yeah. They're messing with it for a little while. Some have said that the North Koreans captured the plane somehow. Oh. I don't know because they want to take it back to North Korea and reverse engineer it because they didn't have oh. cool plans. Because that's how you do it. Yeah. And of course, there's people who say Putin has something to do with it. The Russians had something to do with of it, course. and they took it to Kazakhstan because the Red Scares. Well, much no, well, actually, one of the, the they say that they Putin did that was to avenge the recently imposed U.S. sanctions oh. on Russia. So, yes, you steal a Malaysian <laughs> airplane to get back at the U.S. With yeah. how many American nationals on it? Like two? <laughs> two, or th- yeah, like two or three. <laughs> so, smart thinking, conspiracy theorist. That's good. There was even a rumor that the entire plane was captured to provide the raw material for a massive organ harvesting ring oh, that was yeah. led by a top this? Chinese official's son. Mm. So... They hijacked the plane, and they landed it in, take your pick, it could have been North Korea again, Somalia, Kazakhstan, well, wherever. Why didn't they just let it come to China? You just don't question it, Carrie. <laughs> if it was the Chinese <laughs> don't doing it. Don't question it, Dora. Let it land. Well, they couldn't. They had <laughs> to take it somewhere else, yeah. somewhere secret, somewhere crazy. They had con- Confederates on the ground there, and then they uh, killed everyone and took their delicious eyeballs and, mm. and livers and hearts and lungs and things All like that. All right. Okay. That's a theory. Makes total sense to me. Obviously, for every conspiracy theory to work, you have to ignore evidence, science, logic, and honesty, and just shunt them aside. And any fact has to be ignored or twisted, which is true of, of the bulk yeah. of conspiracy theories. But Honestly, particularly this, yeah. th- this one, though, because we do have a high level of certainty on where Flight 370 went and where it, it went, in, roughly where it went into the water. Because so of them really, satellites. Yeah. You really have to ignore really good hard science yeah. for any of these conspiracy theories well, to work. And this podcast loves science, bitch. Mm-hmm. So. But mm-hmm. we also know how good people are at ignoring good hard science. That's, That's true. Very in true. In this pandemic. Yep. So what is the most likely solution? What did really happen um, officially? Time slip. Maybe. The final Malaysian report found that the crew had nothing to do with the disappearance of Flight 370. Malaysia 
was ruled by a corrupt quasi-dictator named Najib Razak, R-A-Z-A-K, at the time. So as I mentioned earlier, people who made trouble were being arrested. They are even being disappeared. Everyone in Malaysia was, that was looking into the case, the last thing they wanted to find was anything that made the country look bad. And anything found to be the fault of the, the airline or the airline personnel, you can tell where I'm going, yeah. was seen as something they did not want to go there. They wanted to avoid that. So the Malaysian investigation was kind of a sham from the start. So here's a quote from the article in The Atlantic by William Languish. He says, quote, a close observer of the MH370 process, that is the investigation process, said, quote, it became clear that the primary objective of the Malaysians was to make the subject just go away. From the start, there was this instinctive bias against being open and transparent, not because they were hiding some deep, dark secret, but because they did not know where the truth really lay. And they were afraid that something might come out that would be embarrassing. Were they covering up? Yeah. Yes, but they were covering up for the unknown, end quote. Let sleeping beasts lie yes, kind of exactly. Thing. So the other dominant theory I haven't talked about is pilot suicide. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Using an airplane as a side weapon has been done before. Oh, yeah. well, yes. The <laughs> most famous, I guess, somewhat recent time was a German pilot in 2015. He flew his Airbus into the French Alps. Yeah. A year About a year after Flight uh, 370 disappeared. I remember that. Remember, and and the later investigation too. found that he had been depressed, was suicidal, has some mental health issues, and he had even studied the Flight MH370 case. Eesh. So in his mind, he thought it was pilot suicide. suicide. Yeah. And it's, it, it's happened several times since the 1990s. So it's not unheard of at all, sadly, and terrifyingly. So, and not like a suicide terrorist attack like yeah one i'm committing suicide yeah. here's i'm a pilot here's how i'm gonna do it right which is yeah. really shitty let yeah, me take is, hundreds of not, people yeah, with it's me it's not a good it's not a good call uh -uh. pilots the malaysians I mean, suicide in, is never a good call let's be clear that's true <laughs> but it's that's extra true. not a good call when you take others with you that's absolutely true official stance of the weird world podcast that's that's yes. it is yeah. i concur the malaysians looked into the co-pilot his life they found no and others did too by the way they found no signs at, at all of trouble in the life of Fariq Hamid. Quite the opposite. Yeah. He, was he was the young, young guy, right? Yeah. He was young. He had this yeah. prestigious job. He was looking forward to a, a, you know, a good life. He lacked any red flags. People yeah. always say, though, he hides them well. Yeah. They, 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 people always say that. Well, and but also, mental health issues don't always depend on your situation in That's life. That's true. So. That's true. But... This lack of red flags was not so true for Captain Zahari. Uh-oh. His life was really loaded with red, red flags that the Malaysians, I, I mean, strategically ignored. It certainly, yeah. that seems to be the obvious conclusion. They uh -oh. must have discovered that Zahari had been depressed. He was very lonely. He was separated from his wife. He was completely estranged from his grown children. And he lived this kind of aimless, bored existence in between flights. He, Tinder. His Pardon? Tinder. What'd you say? Plenty Tinder. of fish. Oh, Tinder. Tinder. I thought she said dinner. <laughs> Have dinner. I mean, Eat dinner four times a day. No, he just, uh, actually, it's funny you say that. He was. He was. There were some, he, he, has, he was like some, um, like flight attendants, things like that. He was, oh, really? But not in a creepy way at all. He was well, a shy, yes. nice person. He just was living a, a kind of a sad life, a lonely life. His calendar had no events whatsoever on it after March 8th, except for a single dental appointment for the end of the month. Oh. Huh. And I don't, I'm speculating here, but that dental appointment could have been made months ago. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, that. 
I mean, that, that's a lot. You know, check of six months from now, let's put yeah. it on your calendar. You know, right. That yeah. kind of thing. Or a year from now, who knows? So Ding dong. And then there was the flight simulator, the famous flight oh, yeah. simulator. This case is, is kind of known for this. So yeah. Zahari had an at-home flight simula- simulator. Not a bad idea for a pilot, you know, yeah. keep in practice, even yeah. though he'd been Stay doing sure. this for 30 years. Yeah. He, I mean, you don't stay in business for 30 years without practicing. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Uh, a forensic examination, though, of that simulator by the FBI found that he had mimicked a flight exactly like the plane's last flight multiple times. Hang on a second. Yeah. Malaysian officials allowed yes. U.S. FBI access to they that did. That's they did. simulator. That's that a little bit surprising. surprising. It is, but but you know, it's hard to say no. Um, it, European. It wasn't just well, the FBI. Europeans and Australians had access as well. The FBI, though, huh. had a forensic scientist who could find out everything everything he had ever done done on that flight simulator. Wow. It's by Microsoft, yeah. by the way. Um, I mean, it would look pretty suspicious to say no. Yeah, yeah it would. It'd be like, it would. What are you, you're definitely hiding something. Honestly. So uh, effectively, Zahari had That's practiced yeah. this path back over Malaysia through the Strait of Malacca to within between Indonesia and Malaysia and out into the Indian Ocean, and then turning south for this long straight line into Indian Ocean, where the plane, the flight would just end. When fuel ran out, and that's it, and he would be done with that flight simulation. That's weird. It's it's, yeah. inc- it's incredible. the The family has tried to provide sort of you know innocent explanations for this, but there's just no rational explanation for no, that. Honestly, I though. can't imagine of all flight paths to take. It's multiple it, it, times. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. That one. So, huh. despite learning what they had learned from Zahari and his, you know, knowing about his background and knowing about this, this flight simulator, the Malaysian's official report said, oh, wasn't him. He can't have been responsible. This is, there's an obvious reason for that. There's a couple yeah. of reasons. One, you avoid embarrassment. Yeah. Uh, again, you, you, something that makes the airline look bad, it makes the country look bad, and you can get killed yeah. by this, this leader. Oh, I have a good innocent explanation for it. But For what? what? For the, him, yeah. track that on his flight simulator. Mm-hmm. That's just something he did on his flight simulator, but he knew he'd because pr- he'd practiced it many times, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so the criminal yeah. flight attendant yeah. gets in there, oh. and so he's he can't say anything. Uh. So he's thinking <laughs> this. P- p- plane uh, might yeah. not make it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're gonna be somewhere where nobody knows. I know I've done this on my flight simulator mm-hmm. and it's saved on my history. I'll do that route. Mm-hmm. So when they're looking for the plane, mm-hmm. if they look on my flight simulator, they'll see what I've done. They before. will, but you have to take a, <laughs> take a step back and why did he ever do this flight? She it is. makes the flight makes no that's brilliant. I'm not saying it's not. It's genius. It He's just you take one step back before and that part doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. She's playing four D chess. So, yeah. Yep. You are clinging to that road <laughs> flight That's good. It's theory. good. You know, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to workshop that. We're going to take yeah. it to the writer's room. We're going to see what we can do about yeah. it. Yeah. Snake so the, the other thing, though, for the Malaysians was the obvious, was even more obvious by admitting that their, their pilot had yeah. done it and killed yeah. these 229 people. It probably would have put Malaysian Airlines out of business. Yeah. And that was, again, this is a national treasure, this airline. It was, a, it was a big deal for them. So I have saved, though, the the dominant alternative argument to pilot suicide for now or, or to explore it a little more, more involved because I wanted to tell you about Zahari first and that this is a theory that some accident in the cockpit or the plane 
occurred. Again, it's like not the hypoxia, but something happened, and there could have been a fire, an electrical mishap, something mm. like that, and it caused the pipes to turn around. So this this is important because it it, it explains the the first mysterious yeah. happening, which is the U-turn. And what disabled communication equipment? It doesn't explain that. Presumably, but, no. I mean, I'm saying whatever happened. The yeah, it, it, it would have to, but. It We'll get into that in a second, but okay. um, this is needed to explain the U-turn, that mysterious U-turn, but uh, this argument says that the crew was then incapacitated somehow before they could land, and the autopilot then took over and took the plane on the, on the west of the ray. I know you have problems with that. We'll talk about that yeah. in a second. Um, th- and this is important because, or at least the, you know, th- they're saying that essentially they went, they turned around to find some kind of a safe landing. Uh-oh, yeah. something's happened. we got to go back to Malaysia and land. But... By that point, land in Vietnam. That's what I was gonna say. They were closer to Vietnam, yeah. or maybe not Vietnam, Cambodia, yeah. or something like that no, down there. It's well. this is riddled with holes. Yeah, and again, it's, yeah. it's the primary alternative to pilot suicide, and and the arguments against that. pilot suicide, against that argument, the arguments against pilot suicide, are basically oh he wasn't suicidal. His friends say, and he didn't leave a note. <laughs> there really aren't yeah. any good arguments against pilot suicide yeah. other than, honestly, other than Malaysians to say, well, we, we talked to his friends and no one said he was suicidal. That's, yeah. again, that's, that's kind of flimsy. Kind of, that's very flimsy. Yeah. So, you know, for instance, whatever went wrong on the plane, whatever it was, why was there zero communication to the ground control that they were going to turn the plane around yeah. to find an immediate landing spot? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember you said they tried calling him on his cell phone. Yes, they did. And he didn't answer. But so a cell phone would work. A cell phone would work. Okay. If he was so if the, communi- and if if the he was- communications equipment went down, yes. he still or somebody could have yes. used a cell phone. Very much okay. so. Very true. Some argue that the reason, okay, so basically this argument says they turned around and then they're trying to look for a safe landing spot, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, the reason they didn't communicate and say, mayday, mayday, we're having trouble up here is because they're just so focused on landing the plane and navigating the plane that you're trained not to do that, which is... That I don't think that's true. Not true at There's, all. First of all, it's two of you. Second yeah. of all, and it's at your mouth already, you it, right? It's right. I mean, it, it's it, not. You have to just yeah, put the thing to your mouth. And, yeah, exactly. No, they wear headsets. Flick, don't a, they? flick yeah. a button, I guess. They got yeah. the and say, Mayday, mic. Mayday. Here's what's happening as you fly the plane, or have the yeah. person who's not doing the flying do that 100%. very simple call. I mean, they'd want to help. They'd comical. want ground help in finding a safe place to land. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Air traffic control is vital. And, and I'm sure there is situation. some amount of training. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure there is. It includes communication. I'm not going to say yes. the website that makes this argument. It's imba- <laughs> I guess I will say it. A skeptoid. When I'm, he makes this oh. argument that, oh, they're, they're so well trained. They're trained not to. It's just it's the dumbest wow. thing he's ever said on, on, that, on that podcast. Dave um, or whatever your name is. Brian. It's just it's embarrassing. And then you'd want to also warn ahead to get medical help. Yes. You're going to be coming in hot. You're gonna need medical attention. You don't want to tell people we're gonna land here. Where should we land? Tell us if yeah. you know we're it, gonna need medical it'll attention be a there. Rough You'd want to warn those on the ground. Yeah. Hey, I'm coming in. You know, get people out of there as best you can here in the next five minutes. Uh, even a quick mayday, mayday. Yeah, we're having trouble. Would be that that's which takes seconds. Would be better than nothing. And yeah. there was nothing from the cockpit. Yeah, just a good so, night and then nothing. It's just it's just honestly it's ludicrous. To say that they're just too busy, effectively, to be able to just say "mayday, mayday, we're going yeah, down, down. we're, we're coming back." That's, Sorry, that's, it's no. And by the way, here's another thing, though, about this theory: the plane made multiple turns. There yes. wasn't just that one mysterious U-turn. Yeah. And so again, so now it's whether it's a hijacking or whether it's some mishap, some electrical or fire or something like that. After the U-turn, 
you have to argue that they're incapacitated and they went into autopilot, but that can't be true because they would have had to click autopilot back on A and B, they would have had to then make these weird turns down over over Malaysia, down through the Strait of Malacca, up to the Andaman Sea, and then that, that left down into the Indian Ocean. They went over the entire Malay Peninsula. If you needed to land, land. land there. Yeah. The closest place you to is Kuala Lumpur Airport. You, why would you just fly straight over it and into the ocean? Maybe it was a speed situation <laughs> where if they if they stopped flying or if they dipped below a certain yes. altitude, yes. the plane, the plane was would blow up, explode. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then they took that path through the state of Malacca that perfectly avoided detection as best you could in yeah. that part of the ocean. So and and of course there's the timing again. Remember the first U-turn happened just after the handoff to Vietnam. That's the perfect timing to go right. missing. Yeah, it's that's not, that just can, that, very that, deliberate. Too yeah. many coincidences. Could that be a coincidence? Yes, but there's a lot of coincidences, yeah. and it's not a likely one. And then of course we we know we think that someone disabled the communications and the electronics. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe communications were out. You know, as part of this this accident scenario, something right. like that. But like you said, he could have called on his cell phone. Yeah. There'd be no re- and, and and there's still no reason not to have landed quickly in the, on the Malaysian Peninsula or to make those other cr- weird maneuvers after that first U-turn. Yeah. It can't explain. It can never explain that. And then finally, of course, you have the simulator that was on in Zahari's house. So so think about this. You have this accident or something. You make this U-turn, and now you're incapacitated and you're on autopilot. Okay, you just happen to have. To, the, the plane just happens to go in the exact kind of flight path that you, Zahari, have been practicing at home on your simulator by accident. Yeah. A path that has no relation to an actual flight path to, to anywhere. A path that's exactly yeah. the same as, um, yeah. as, as the, so the, in real life, the plane does that exact same path just Totally coincidentally. I don't think though. because the pilots are incapacitated. No, I'm not yeah. a statistician. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's plausible. It's just it's utterly ridiculous. I mean, it's yeah. not even implausible, it's impossible. Yeah, honestly though. So sadly, but almost certainly, after turning back toward Malaysia, Captain Sahari depressurized the plane. We have good solid mm-hmm. evidence to note that the plane was depressurized. And they think he did it on purpose? He did it on purpose. And that explains because he he basically rendered everyone in the plane unconscious. He basically, it went up to over 40,000 feet, which is Ah. at the the cusp of of how far and how high you can fly a Boeing 777, right? And so the oxygen mask would have gone down at some point in that ascent. But oxygen mask in the plane, they have about 15 minutes of oxygen. That's it? That's it. So oh, the what? passengers flying at this height, the passengers would slowly lose consciousness and then they would die peacefully. Well, so that was kind of... But it was also like to make sure rat. no one... Com- but But as, as, as Jack said about cell phone, that's, that's what I meant by... That's how, why no one made... Yeah. What's happening, cell phone or text or anything like that? Because they were unconscious and then dead very quickly. Well, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, so y- you don't know what's going on. You just slowly, you don't realize yourself, you're, you're losing No, I oxygen. understand that. Yeah. But I'm yeah, saying when the sense. oxygen masks come down, mm-hmm. nobody takes out their cell phone to say, I love you, mom. Because well, you, you don't know I you're have... going down. You're, st- you're going higher, if anything. If you, so you don't know you're, you're okay, going down. You don't Dean, think there's a... You're uh, on an airplane and the oxygen masks come down. You think something's wrong immediately. Yeah. You, I you're might not think, going to panic and think something might be wrong. I might not make it I to my know. destination. Well, we don't, we don't know if the, when if the oxygen mask had gone down. They, they could have not gone down until people In were already time. unconscious. Oh, yes. okay. That's, Aren't yes. they automatic? 
Well, no, it's remember it's slowly being depressurized and it's slowly ascending. So I don't, well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an I'm answer. I'm pretty that. sure they're yeah. automatic. Do well, yeah, I know it, they're automatic, but but when maybe. do they? They might drop. need a significant jump well, in pressure I imagine for them it's, to trigger. It's before the point where people are pretty close but to being But did you not listen to what I just said? Yeah, Gary. Yeah, it's like a frog in the pan. Yeah. If it doesn't... <laughs> shut the hell up. If it, <laughs> if it doesn't happen very quickly, if it's not like a sudden drop in pressure, maybe it doesn't trigger them as yes. reliably. But here's the thing, Carrie. We know it depressurized and, we, and no one did contact anyone, so there's your answer. Maybe they should have, but they didn't. Maybe you think they, they no, would have, but they didn't. But but so maybe so that what? maybe <laughs> that is evidence that that's not what happened to all the. No, no, we know they depressurized, and they would have, and they would have had lacked oxygen to to breathe. So yes. How do they know it depressurized? I forgot. You, there's there's yeah. there's, well, I, I, there's a couple technical reasons it's they know really that the plane. Tech, okay, yeah. Depressurized. Yes. So then at that point, the pilot is using his auxiliary using, oxygen. So exactly. Sahari oxygen. has four uh, oxygen tanks. That could last for hours. What did what do we think he did with the co-pilot? Did he, he knock him over the head? I, I don't know. He he he. We don't know. Yeah. He could have poisoned him. He could have. Who Whoa. knows what he did? Yeah. Well, he could have jumped you know, to poison. I don't know. He, here's your coffee. Yeah. Well, honestly, <laughs> I made it myself. Thinks he might have just cold clocked. He, he could have cold clocked exactly. Yeah. He just, he's got a wrench, whatever, and just I'm going yeah. back to smack, and he's unconscious, and he kills yeah. him. A gun. Yeah, he no. could have, he could have or something, some kind of weapon. Not a gun on a plane. No, well, a pilot, but a, a pilot could probably a pilot get a gun on a plane. That's true. Or just uh, I, honestly, I, a knife to the throat in a very sudden motion. You know, Although gonna, actually, there's lots I, of ways he could have done that. I hope a pilot couldn't get a gun on a plane. I hope so I hope too. they search those. Yes, I agree. I do too. Guys too. So he's on there with plenty of air. Why not a woman, mom? I mean, guys, plural, everybody. I was going <laughs> to say motherfuckers. That's why. Hey, hey, hey. I didn't have time to think. You didn't have time to get the feminism in your brain? No. So he turned off communications. Other than that automated handshake with a satellite that he either didn't know about or didn't or couldn't turn off. Yeah. And then he continued over the mainland of Malaysia. He then passed, remember, from episode yeah. one, he passed right by Penang Island on the western coast of Malaysia. This was his childhood home. That's where he was born and raised. Oh. Some people like. think that was not an accident. Yeah. Butterworth Air Force yeah. Base... The Malaysian Air Force Base is nearby there. And they, as we know, they failed to intercept this this rogue plane. Yeah. They were later claim that they didn't, oh, they didn't miss it. We didn't just not do our job. We knew it was a friendly, so we didn't feel we had to, to scramble our airplanes, you know. Uh -huh. But they, they, they came in for a lot of criticism. They, they, yeah. Honestly, they missed it. Someone was asleep at the wheel. Would they know, even if they saw it, would they know? I mean, it's just a it's just a Malaysian plane, right? Would yeah. they know it's not supposed to be there? Uh probably. But they, they, they claim they thought we didn't think a big deal about yeah. it. In reality, Probably. a lot of people think they just missed it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like not many flight paths mm -hmm. go over there. Yeah. But he could have been relying on that. Zahari could have been re relying on, well, still, I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm a Malaysian. Right. Uh, a Malaysian jet passenger. They're not going to come shoot me down. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then, remember, he went into the Strait of Malacca to avoid going over in Indonesia, who would yeah. not feel the same way about his Malaysian plane. Yeah. And then from there into open ocean. Yeah. So, again, a route that... It seems to me it was clearly to avoid detection. Yeah. yeah. So he entered the strait at about 1.52 a.m., and for the next half hour, he headed northwest toward the Andaman Sea at full speed. And that was when the Malaysian Air Force received its last blip on their radar of Flight 370. So it is certain the passengers and crew were dead by this time. 
since at 225, the plane's satellite box came back online. And this is considered likely because the craft was repressurized. So he depressurized oh. long enough to know they were, everybody was dead. Oh. And then at 225 in the morning, he repressurized the plane, probably so he could walk around. I, I mean, there's no other reason. I mean, or, or his, you know, so his, his air lasted hours, but now he could... Exactly. Have air being and uh, come in, and he right. Could he didn't go, have to use he, his oxygen mask anymore. Exactly. Or he can also even leave the, the cockpit. Yeah. There and get so, a coffee. I don't know. I mean, you can imagine <laughs> a horrible scene where Captain Zahari is alone on a plane full of corpses. I don't want to. And he returns the plane to autopilot. It was returned to autopilot, and then it took its last, you know, free float roam into the Indian Ocean to its end. Free float roam. I don't know. Free float <laughs> and roam. Sorry, sorry, that sounds sorry. Like a country sorry for song. riffing. Harry. I thought it was more like a dive bomb. No, it, remember it flew for six hours, going further and further. No, I understand. But once I'm, it ran, I'm out talking of about the final oh descent okay. into yeah. the ocean. Okay. Well, I wasn't. Oh. So I well, thought you were. That's no, why. that's why I thought free float roam but was you know, a little odd. Hey, you know, thanks words. for making fun of my. Um, he riff. meant Appreciate he left just the cockpit and let's yeah. go. Yeah. Understanding. Thanks a, lot, thanks a lot. Thanks for saying hurtful things. Um, <laughs> She's on a roll. This so that is the story of the disappearance of Flight oh, 370. It. That is it. I mean, so you really do come down to two things. is either pilot suicide or some kind of pilot's disabled and they did this emergency turnaround and after that your story completely yeah. falls apart if you okay. want to make that claim. So the world believes it was pilot suicide. Um, uh, Tony Abbott, the Prime Minister of Australia, just last, just in two thousand in twenty twenty, yeah, said publicly that everyone knows it. Even I've talked to high Malaysian officials, and off the record, they know full well it's they pilot suicide. It. Okay, yeah. so that's every ex, every country who's investigates this thinks it's pilot suicide. Okay. But a lot of the a lot of people th still adhere to this this accent argument. Is um, so I was going to ask you what's the official Malaysian government's. It, I, I told you that earlier. The official Malaysian Position. government is that we don't know what happened. Okay. Yeah. The so they're mystery. not admitting that yeah. it's possible. And, but it, but, but it wasn't though. pilot suicide is what they, they you know. Because oh, again. The, so they specifically. Remember they said, they said I, I mentioned that earlier too, that they said, oh no, we looked into the background and they were, yeah. there was no red flags there. Not him. Of course, there was gigantic red flags yeah. behind Sahari. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, badmouth Sahari or Malaysian to think that. It's just the evidence is overwhelming yeah. that he mm -hmm. flew the plane to its death. And we wish that mental health wasn't stigmatized so I that know. he could have gotten treatment. Absolutely. Because yeah. if you think about it, somebody in his position, you're uh, grounded. My so God. it's yep. the one thing I yeah. have in my life I yep. don't have if I admit that I'm having, if I'm struggling. That's and, absolutely true. Yep. There's a built-in, uh, you know, hurdle Incentive to, to any pilot yeah. ever going for mental health, health yeah. help. Yeah, There's a lot right. of those in this world. Y'all gotta stop. And, but but like that, <laughs> like like you could do, you could say, oh well, it should be anonymous or something like that. But then your psychologist, or whatever, is in this terrible position of knowing that that a, what if they know a pilot is suicidal? What yeah. they yeah. What do they? What do you do? That's Are horrible. they a mandated reporter? They, they might almost be certainly be in that like case. That, yeah. So and and a pilot is going to know that, yeah. and so a pilot's not going to go for that yeah. help, and he didn't go for the, for the help he should have gone for. Yeah. Yeah. So I. So maybe you. It, if you're having mental health struggles and you have that kind of a job, you still get to do your job, but you got to have a buddy with you. Well, so you know, he, he did Somebody, have a buddy with him he and he disabled him. But the buddy didn't know he was suicidal. No. So, so your buddy, your buddy is going to be like, like in a tense, ready to spring. Are buddy. you walking behind me? I mean, that would be impossible. Ah! There'd be more than one a, buddy. a buddy who's not your co-pilot is what I mean. Oh, so a third person in yes. there just like checking me out, watching it the whole Almost time. Almost like a sober, a sober mm. companion. Yeah. But yeah. that's not a great solution. No, but, it's not. Um, <laughs> you know what? Nice. Good try though. 
Good try. Your scenarios were a little better. Your earlier Basically, scenarios, your your thanks. movie thriller scenarios. I'm were very sticking good. with my whole radicalized flight Rogue. attendant. Radicalized. Mm-hmm. Radical. Radicalized? Did they have to be radicalized? Maybe the flight attendant was just the suicidal. suicidal? Yes. Yes. Nah. No. Okay. Oh, she. Uh, have, well, you, fine. have you cast the movie yet, Carrie? Have no. You, are you thinking? Okay. I see. I see Gwyneth Paltrow as the radicalized flight attendant because I don't like her. No. Um, okay. So that's. Well, thanks, Dean. Super you're, interesting. You're I think so. I think it's a very fascinating. I, by the way, if I had to, to, to recommend one thing to read, it'd be the Atlantic article. It's a really, really Atlantic strong article. Atlantic has a lot of good articles. They do. Well, I'm glad I don't have any flights coming up anytime. <laughs> wow. So great. Good for me. Well, it's rare. We should all be allowed to meet our pilot and just kind of like, you know. Scope them out. Yeah. yeah. Psychoanalyze them a little bit. <laughs> how, you, how, how are you feeling today? Yes. Well, kind of down in the dumps. Uh, I'm your home going life? to get off this plane. Can so, I yes. see your calendar, please? Oh, my God. Carrie, can't what? believe you're making light of the situation. You and only you, and not us. <laughs> so, this is a, a terrible. It was a horrible tragedy. Yeah. Not forget, 239 people died, yes. including Zahari. Isn't there like a picture of like a mom and her son? Uh, it was awful. There right were kids. before there were kids on they, the plane. They're there, taking yeah, off. There was everyone on that plane, and it was like the last yeah. picture. Yeah, that's that's why it is so horrible and so awful for somebody to do that. If if that's how you're feeling, to, to do yes. it that way is just inexcusable, really, and un- unforgivable. Yep. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Right, bye. Goodbye.